All right, I'm about to read a quote. Think you might have heard this one before. But soft, what light through yonder window breaks? It is the east, and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon, who is already sick and pale with grief. It's a lot of heavy breathing in that quote. <laughs> it's like Romeo had just been sword fighting or something. Just went for a jog. <laughs> but soft. <laughs> I mean, he did scale a wall. Romeo with emphysema scaling a wall. All right, should we start? Yeah, let's start. Who wants to introduce the episode? Hi, everyone. It's Theo. Welcome Theo. to Welcome to Fire the Cannon, a very lovely episode of Fire the Cannon, I might say. In this podcast, we read the books in the Western canon and decide which ones belong or not. I think we can just go ahead and assume this one's going to stay because it is <laughs> Romeo and Juliet. We can't assume that. That's the whole uh, point of the podcast. Yeah. I, no, I, the entire point of the podcast is the books people assume <laughs> belong in the canon we read them critically. Oh, shit. Yeah, but don't you think other people have read William and Juliet and Shakespeare and Romeo? Doesn't matter. <laughs> We're Doesn't the matter. ones deciding. That's right. We're okay. the ones deciding. Who knows? We have authority. And who are we, you're asking? I'll tell you who. I'm Jackie. Okay. And Rachel is the son. I'm Rachel. <laughs> and I'm Theo. I'm the producer. And together we are... Fire. Theo, Rachel, and Jackie. Come on, what's the name of our podcast? Fire the Cannon. I was hoping someone was going to say the, someone was going to say canon. You guys didn't pick it up. Oh. Well, you know, this is sort of a Valentine's-themed episode. It's not coming out on Valentine's Day. You guys got any Valentine's plans? No. Me and Jackie or the audience? Uh, Well, the people who can actually hear me and respond. So it's just you two. Well, let's let's give the audience, like, mm, five seconds to tell us their plans. Okay. 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 We're we're listening to the audience- just five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. That's enough. Oh, wow. stop talking. I love that That's for you so guys. Cute. That's a great idea. Um, I'm gonna be in Singapore, Whoa. hopefully. So I don't, uh, I don't know that I'll do anything for Valentine's Day. Um, I usually forget about that. Romantic rendezvous. I don't know if it's a romantic rendezvous. <laughs> the reason is not because her boyfriend's there. It's a totally different reason. Oh, yeah. What's the reason? I'm having a romantic rendezvous with someone else in Singapore. <laughs> That's <laughs> a really bad idea. <laughs> yeah, terrible idea. It's a really tiny country. You can't have any secrets in Singapore. Well, that's interesting. Jackie says she always forgets Valentine's Day. What about you, Rachel? Do you have any plans for Valentine's Day? No, I don't. And also, it's like it's like three weeks away, <laughs> a little over three <laughs> weeks away at the time of recording. Well, <laughs> I, I think when you're in a relationship, there's not as much pressure to have plans set. Mm. I think Theo really wants to tell us what he's going to do for Valentine's Day. Theo, what All are right, you doing Theo, for Valentine's Day? Well, I'm going to buy lots of romantic chocolates for my sweetie. The next mm-hmm. day. Half yeah, off. The day after. <laughs> yeah. See, uh, ask a girl from Hinge out for your first date on Valentine's Day and see if that adds a weird level to it. (laughs) I mean, honestly, if you're on Hinge, the day that you know they don't have plans is basically Valentine's Day, right? I don't know. I guess that's true. Like, I'm assuming we're both free. (laughs) That's not true at all. They could easily be dating multiple people. Oh, that's true. And to the level of having Valentine's Day plans... I don't know. Maybe they just don't care about it being Valentine's Day. Jackie, how can you not care? You've got to care. If he just messaged a random woman and was like, look, I know you're free on this day. 
<laughs> so you can't say no. <laughs> I've been watching you. I do have your calendar synced. Yeah. I know you're free. Perfect. <laughs> Man. I think that's a winning strategy. Nothing more romantic than constant surveillance. As we learned from our 1984 mini series. Yeah, that was full of love. Mm -hmm. Well, do you want to know a funny story about someone being asked uh, what they're going to do for Valentine's Day? Sure, Theo. Who might that person be? Yes. This is a friend of mine. I don't want to say what her name is because I think it actually might be an embarrassing story. It's the same one that you told the (laughs) embarrassing dating story about in the last episodes? or No, no. A different one. (laughs) Go ahead. This is a theme. Um, This is when my friend was in college, like her undergrad, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she was applying for some like literary magazine or something or something like that. Like, I, I don't know what it was. it was. She was at Harvard, so maybe it was some sort of secret society. I don't really know. But they, they did it as a group interview. So they just had everyone who was applying like sit in a circle and then they asked questions and people were just supposed to speak up to answer the questions. So they did an icebreaker game where you were supposed to say your name and say what you were doing for Valentine's Day because the interview is being held on Valentine's Day. It's a terrible icebreaker. Yeah, I know. It's a terrible icebreaker (laughs) because it's like somebody's going to be embarrassed, you know. Or everybody's just going to say, and I'm not doing anything like that. It's just not going to be interesting. You have to... Have an icebreaker where people have an answer to it. Well, she had an answer. Uh-huh. She had read an article that morning that was about like a company that will make a chocolate mold of your anus. Of your, okay. So you fill it up with some chocolate or whatever. And she answered that. <laughs> She'll be making a chocolate mold of her anus. <laughs> well, she said uh, she assumed everyone else had also gotten that article promoted to them and they had seen it. So she said, <laughs> hey, I'm name redacted. And I'm not going to be making a chocolate mold of my asshole for Valentine's Day. (laughs) And she said no one responded. Like it was total silence. And then it was just the next girl was like, well, so I'm Katie and I'm going out to dinner with my boyfriend. (laughs) Just like something really (laughs) like plain. (laughs) And uh, My friend, like she's kind of a, a shy person and she was obviously embarrassed about that. And so she didn't say anything else for the rest of the interview. (laughs) And I just think that's so funny. Just picturing them reviewing the candidates afterwards. And they're like, all we have to go off of is this thing. Like like we know she apparently had some traumatic experience with chocolate in her butthole, but that's all we know about. Well, wait, 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 wait. Did she get into the secret society? No, no, she did not. (laughs) Why didn't she say something else? Like that's really bad to leave it at that. I know, she could have fixed it. I mean, at that point, you feel like there's so much pressure on whatever else you have to say. I feel like if I were the next girl, if I were, you know, Katie, for example, I would have felt like if I don't say that I'm also not making a chocolate mold of my ass, then (laughs) it's going to seem like I am. Yeah, so I I thought you were going to say everybody else would be like, I'm Katie and I'm going to dinner with my boyfriend and I'm also not doing that. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) That would have been how my friend could save it as Katie says her thing and then my friend would have been like, oh, so you are. Yeah. So you are making one. (laughs) So you are making, yeah. She could have said that would have definitely made her seem less weird for sure. But then what if somebody was planning to do that and then they're faced with like, okay, I either have to leave it out, in which case I'm lying by omission or I'm admitting it or I have to just lie outright. It's just like, you just don't do that. Just don't say what you're not going to do. That upends the whole rules of the game. It does sound like she is going to do that. It sounds like she definitely is. Really? The one who says she's not my friend? I'm not going to be doing this. This weirdly specific thing. It sounds almost like she's saying not going to be doing this. And then you can assume comma again. (laughs) (laughs) No, it seems like she's saying like, 
oh, I'm definitely not doing that. I'm definitely not going to go do this thing. Yeah. Nobody bother me from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. as the chocolate <laughs> <Three> hardens. Of- <laughs> I don't know how long it takes. I don't think you want the chocolate to harden inside of your... You know what? We're going to have to think about the mechanics of this. It has to. If it's a mold. Well, no, no, no. It hardens outside, right? It has to, Jackie. How is it going to harden inside of your body? Because your body is warm. No, it's. I, I looked it up. It's just the outer part. You looked it it's up. It's just the little pucker part. And then you pull it out. <laughs> what does that just mean? Just the little pucker. Just, just the tent. Just the butthole part. Oh, my God. Not the okay. inside. I don't think it's a chocolate enema. Okay, so it's not like a full mold of your entire colon. Okay. Just the tip of the butthole. <laughs> oh, my God. That would be insane. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, how is this going to work? With like a really high melting point. <laughs> no, it's just it just looks like this little this little round like disc sort of thing with like an indentation that's just this little pucker up butthole. <laughs> just what's the point of having personalized chocolate assholes? Just get any chocolate asshole and be like, wink, wink, this is mine. Nobody knows oh, they will know if they love you they're gonna be like this is not your asshole <laughs> this is yeah. somebody else's <laughs> i don't think they will they, they know after they taste it they're like mm, no oh. what come on it's chocolate you're supposed to eat it i i get that it's 2022 i guess i'm too much of a millennial to be into eating ass but what are you gen z <sighs> whoa that's a gen z thing yeah it is really yeah Theo goes and takes his hinge profile, lowers that age limit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're all about it. Everyone's all up in everyone else's ass. What? Well, so here's the other thing. The fact that she got this article recommended to her also <laughs> says something weird about her search habits, which now Theo is going to have as well. Yeah. Uh, or maybe yeah. this was just plausible deniability. Like he already was searching that and he's like, quick, let me tell this story. <laughs> yeah. I have to cover my tracks. Your ass. Because <laughs> I don't know how to clear my browsing history. Oh, God. This started out... All right, so Theo gets the Janet Jackson Award. Yeah, because I'm nasty. Uh, That's all I wanted to now say. Now that we're done with the ass chocolate portion of our <laughs> episode, let's get started. All right, moving on. Uh, did we say? Did we say what we're talking about yet, <laughs> or did we just talk about assholes for? 20 yeah, we minutes? did. <laughs> <laughs> We did. We're reading Romeo and Juliet by William Shakespeare. I, I read a little bit about the life of William Shakespeare. Um, it's very brief. Shaky Will himself. Yeah, you want to call him Shaky Will and yeah, give it a shake. Should Will. I talk a little bit about him? Just like seriously, a tiny bit, because we'll be talking about him a lot more, and this is going to be like a very long episode anyway. So briefly, because I got like five more stories about anuses. So. Uh, yeah, we have a lot Same. of ass stories. <laughs> yeah, no, there's not very much to say because not much is known about the life of Shakespeare. Um, he was. Baptized in 1546. Jack, is this a joke? What? <laughs> Not much is known about him. Okay, <laughs> no. here's where he was I, baptized. <laughs> I like to give some context of when people lived. Like, people know it was a while ago, but so probably 1546 or so, and then he died in 1616. So he only lived to be about 51. I find that important. That's just because I personally like looking at gravestones. And if I were looking at a gravestone, I'd be calculating how long. Are you they sure lived. you did the math right? <laughs> Let's do it. Let's get another take on that. Uh, no, I'm not sure. Okay, because that's like almost 70, right. I think. <laughs> maybe he was almost 70. I'm not sure. <laughs> or maybe I said the dates wrong. No, I'm pretty sure I got the dates right. You say, what was it? 64 to 16. Oh, that's why. He was 51. It was 64 to 16, not 46 Okay. To okay, oh, sorry. Man. Do you want to just redo all of that? <laughs> no, leave it in. It's yeah, funny. Yeah, <laughs> so William Shakespeare was... No, it's not funny. You just said you wanted it to be no, short. No, I want the recording to be short. I don't care how long the episode is. That's not my business. Let's do it again. 
William Shakespeare was baptized in 1564 and died in 1616. So he lived to be about 51. There's not a lot that's known about him. He, at some point, well, we know that he got married pretty young. He was like 18, 19, and he got married to this older woman named Anne Hathaway, who was great in Interstellar. Highly recommend it. What? Yeah, his wife's name was Anne Hathaway. That is true. That's one of the basic Shakespeare facts. Um, he had a son and a daughter with her, I believe. And then I didn't know this, but apparently he left his children and family and home for reasons that are not quite sure. One account says that Shakespeare was forced into exile from his family because he tried to steal some deer from another farmer. Another farmer? Have you ever heard that, Rachel? He's a farmer? (laughs) You didn't establish that yet. He was from a farming family. His parents were like yeoman nobles, sort of. So he wasn't like wealthy, wealthy, and he was like a a playwright and a dramatist like as his career. And he also like invested in theater properties and stuff like that. But yeah, one of the accounts says that he was stealing some deer and so he got caught and had to leave his family. And then others think maybe he left them for some other reason, but he definitely left his family behind and he was an actor. We know that. He acted, and he even acted in some of his own plays. He played the ghost in Hamlet, <laughs> which I think is, like, crazy. Like, imagine being at the Globe, the, you know, the the Shakespeare Theater, and watching Shakespeare himself play the part of, Ham- of the ghost. Hmm. Super cool. Yeah, so he did that, and he did some other stuff, and then he died. That's it. Theo, did you know that one of his kids was named Hamnet? Just Hamlet with an N. <laughs> no, I didn't know that. What do you think about it? Um, I mean, spelling was all over the place back then. His name probably was Hamlet in other sources. He died. Hamnet died at the age of 11. Oh, no. To me, it sounds like there should be one in between. That's just two M's. Hamnet. All right. Well, poor Hamnet. Hamnet. That's pretty good. I. It's very evocative. Let's say that. That's where <laughs> bacon comes from. From a Hamnet? Yeah. Huh. We catch bacon in ham nets. Yeah. D- did he invent bacon? Yeah, ham net did. He, he did a lot in his short life. It was around the age of nine. He invented bacon. And then he said, yeah, my time on this earth is, is that true? done what I needed to do. <laughs> yeah. People are going <laughs> to yeah. get a big kick out of this in 2014 or whenever it was that everyone was like, <laughs> bacon's my personality. <laughs> <laughs> that really was a thing. God. You remember yeah. that? That was yeah. so stupid. I remember at the time I was like, you're going to be embarrassed about this soon. <laughs> I feel like we came of age in one of the worst cultural times, like the early thousands, mm-hmm. mid thousands. The and- tiny mustache <laughs> tattoos. Ugh. Oh, God. Everything was just awful. Man, you should have been like me and just not had any awareness of what was happening in the world. Just not been cool at <laughs> all. Yeah, honestly. In some ways, it does make your life a lot better. Just then you're timeless. I mean, I know that everybody is going to say that, you know, only the best and the worst of every time period get remembered. But I don't think there was anything good to remember about 2012. <laughs> 2012? We, we had a big fight about Joseph Coney, and that was all I remember. Oh, my gosh. Remember that? Who that? See, Theo doesn't even know who that is. Who is it? Don't worry about it. See, Theo not only wasn't aware of anything cool, he also didn't know the biggest news of the world. Who was that? Coney was the guy with the child army. Yeah. We don't even, yeah, we don't even know what was going on. I mean, I was a journalism student, so I kind (laughs) of knew what was going on, but every other year, don't ask me. Should we talk about Romeo and Juliet or no? Yeah. Nah, I think we got a good app. We've got enough. Solid up. Ready to have our guests next week. We'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you want to um, okay. just like go over each of the acts in not very much detail? Yeah, because Jackie, explain what we'll be doing next week. 
or this week, I guess. We're releasing a Valentine's Day bonus episode with historian Ada Palmer, who is one of Stephen's favorite authors. In fact, maybe his whole favorite author. She is his favorite living author. Mm -hmm. I really like her. I couldn't pick a favorite, though, but Stephen doesn't read that many books, so it's easier for him to narrow it down. Yeah. She's an author. She's uh, written works of fiction, but she also is a, a noted historian and educator. So we're going to be talking with her about Romeo and Juliet. Cool. And actually, her first book is called To Like the Lightning, which is a quote from Romeo and Juliet, which I'm sure we'll talk about with her when she comes on. So I think a lot of the history and context of the play and some of the other like more critical analysis stuff we're going to get into with her. Right. So we can just kind of talk about the plot. Sounds good. Here we go. You guys ready? Yeah. Okay. Theo, do you know where it takes place? In Italy. Do you know specifically in where in Italy or no? In fair Verona, where we lay our scene? Yeah, that's it. The play opens in Verona. There is a fight that's about to break out between the servants of the Capulet and Montague families who we learn are rivals. The opening narration is basically like, here comes a sad thing that made these families get along. <laughs> yeah, it says right at the beginning, here comes a sad thing. Um, two star-crossed lovers are going to have to die to bring these families together. And look, here those families come now. So he kind of tells you right at the front that things are going to go wrong. And look, they do not like each other. They do not. This is like a pretty popular scene, I would say, with high schoolers who have to read the play. Mm -hmm. The bit where one of them is like, I bite my thumb at you. Uh, no, yeah. sir, but I do bite my thumb. You bite your thumb at me? No, sir, I, but I do bite my thumb. Yeah, biting biting the thumb would have meant like basically. It's like flipping someone off. Like you're just walking around and you're like, and it, are you giving me the finger? No, I just happen to be standing like this, you know. Which apparently it was illegal to bite your thumb at someone, <laughs> but you could just bite it, I suppose. Well, what if you had like a little thumb sucking habit that you just couldn't get rid of? You just can't do it at someone. You're allowed to do it. <laughs> okay. Not allowed to do it in particular at someone. What do you think it looks like? Do you think your thumb is vertical or sideways when you're writing it? Oh. Do you think it goes in your mouth? Ah. Fully in your mouth. 100% in the mouth. Full thumb in mouth. Like your whole hand probably has to go in there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like that? <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, but how do you do it at someone? Do you flick it out? Probably you just look at them and go, <laughs> like that. <laughs> <laughs> like a cigar, like you're biting a cigar. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like a cartoon character <laughs> with a cigar. Ah, here you see. Like that sort of thing. Yeah, that's what's happening. Do you think Jimmy Stewart could pull it off? Oh, that guy could do anything. My thumb are you? But I do my thumb. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Well, this is the servants of those families. So um, it's funny to me that the servants hate the family, the other family, enough to want to fight. Yeah, even they don't like each other. So they come together. They're fighting. There has been a rule put in place by the prince who, like, rules this town that the next person who disturbs the peace is going to be put to death because everybody else who's not a Montague or a Capulet is, like, sick of this shit. They're, it's like the constant violence. They're like, we cannot handle any more of this. You guys have to put your differences aside. So it's like there's, like, kind of an unwilling, like, peace treaty right now, but the servants are kind of threatening to mess it up. We need law and order. Yeah. So... A character comes in um, named Tybalt, and Tybalt is a cousin of the Capulets. No. Well, Benvolio's there as well. Benvolio yeah. arrives first. Yeah, so Benvolio is um, 
a Montague. Tybalt is a Capulet. They show up with like these different servants who are fighting and get into a little fight themselves. So Benvolio actually tries to stop everyone from fighting. Yeah. He's the one who's trying to be kind of cool headed about things. And while he's trying to do that, Tybalt, who's like very hot blooded, shows up and he makes everything a lot worse. Ugh. So after this fight happens, everyone's like, we are sick of this. And after this is when the prince is like, you guys cannot do this ever again. Mm-hmm. So no one has to die because of this fight. No one. But has after to the fight, if you fight one more time, that's it. That's it. Oh, the prince shows <laughs> up and says that in that scene? Yeah, it says, enter prince with attendance. Rebellious subjects, will they not hear? You beasts, quench the fire of your pernicious rage. So yeah, the prince just straight up walks up. This is like, imagine like not just a police officer, but like the mayor or the governor of the, si- the state walks up and is like, you are breaking the law and you can... I'll give you a pass this time, but not next time. One more time and I'm cutting your heads off. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So um, Benvolio is walking around and he sees Romeo at a distance kind of just moping. <laughs> and Romeo is just the most. They're cousins. They're cousins. Romeo is just the most like, is emo He's still like a- flopped all over the place. Yeah. He's just like constantly sighing and melting and stretching out. He's like, huh. Oh. He's very dramatic. He's so sad. How old would you think Romeo is in in this play? He better not be very old because I think Juliet is 13. She is 13. I think he's probably 17 or 18 is my guess. Why? Just based on his behavior? Um, I just know that he's a little bit older than her, but I don't think he's like crazy older than her. And he's also young. Yeah, he has to be. Yeah, based on his behavior, he has to be young. I've always assumed he was older because he's had at least one other love before Juliet. But I've assumed that he's a teen. So I would say, yeah, 16, 17 is probably right. Yeah. So I think Benvolio and Romeo have like a pretty cute little cousin relationship. Benvolio's like, what's going on, man? You've been moping around town. You're not acting like yourself. What's happening? And he's like, I'm in love. Benvolio's like, yeah, well, with who? And he's like, a woman. And Benvolio's like, yeah, I could have I could have guessed that. Uh, like, wow, a little heteronormative there, Benvolio. Yes, very. He says, I'm in love with Rosalind, fair Rosalind. And she doesn't love him back. And he's upset about it. What? I know. I kind of forgot this part. Doesn't she say she'd like to be a nun or something? She's like, I'd rather be a nun than date you. <laughs> well, she's, yeah, she's just vowed to be chaste forever. And he's like, it just sucks wow. because it's such a waste of beauty. Yeah, she's too hot to be chaste. Mm. So yeah. Benvolio's like, listen, dude. Forget about her. Find a hotter woman. There's definitely someone hotter. Don't worry about it. And he's like, there's not. But he eventually says, like, I guess I'll look for one, but only because I'm positive I won't find one. (laughs) Just to prove that Rosaline's even more beautiful. I'll look for a hotter woman. Oh, shoot. (laughs) So now we switch to a scene with the Capulet. So this, um, Juliet isn't in it yet. It's her parents. So uh, what is it? Lady and Captain? Just call him Mr. and Mrs. Capulet. That'll be a lot Mr. and Mrs. Okay. Yeah. So Mr. Daddy Capulet is there and he's talking with another guy named Paris who he wants to marry his daughter. And this is such a gross scene. Because he's got this idea that Paris is going to marry her and this is going to be like an advantageous union for the family. Mm -hmm. And Paris is like, come on, can I just marry her now? And Mr. Capulet's like, dude, she's not even 14 yet. Like she's not even. And he says, like, she hasn't seen the change yet. Like she hasn't had her period yet. Wait till she's at least 16. And Paris says, 
people younger than her have been mothers. And it's like, okay, well, she's not going to be a mother if she doesn't even ovulate yet. Like, you can't just force her into that, Paris. Yeah, he wants to, though. (laughs) Yeah, so he's like, look, wait until she's 16. So we're immediately not on his side. We're immediately not on Paris's side. Yeah, fire Paris. Yeah, Get that guy out of there. I get the impression that Paris is probably like in his 20s. So he's probably a good bit older. Ew. I don't think he's a teenager. No, I don't think so either. Yeah, he's like an established guy. Perry. It's established. He's a guy. (laughs) It looks like he he could be 25. So. But yeah, gross. Yeah. It's gross. Gross. So he's like, fine, I guess I'll wait a couple of years for her to not be 13 anymore. But she's like about to turn 14. Mr. Capulet says... Well, I'm going to throw a party at my house. This is something I like to do from time to time. You come along. A masquerade. A masquerade party. Yeah, in Italy. Oh, no. Yeah, so he's like, come to the party. You guys will see each other. And then maybe she can decide to fall in love with you early or something. Yeah. Ideally, she'll start to like you. So that'll make her arranged marriage a little easier. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's actually kind of considerate. It's oh. like you don't have a choice, but you at least get to see her beforehand. Do you want your parents to set you up with an arranged marriage? Um, No, I wouldn't want that. You don't think they'd do a good job of choosing? Ooh, I don't know. I think they're just too busy. I don't want to make them do all that work <laughs> trying to come up with Yeah, that. they'd probably half-ass it. Just like, yeah, whatever. This is fine for Theo. Eh, it's just Theo. <laughs> we got the other Theo. one if this messes up. Do you think Jackie and I could do a good job or no? No, I don't think at all. <laughs> Honestly. You don't think we know you well enough to find you a woman? Yeah, I don't. Wow. Because your own tastes would go into it. And then you'd find someone like Steven or Joshua. (laughs) I don't think so. He's like, I would hate it if I dated someone that two of my best friends liked. (laughs) That would be terrible. I think he's saying we would pick a man. (laughs) I'm telling you now, I would not pick a man. Oh, well, maybe I'll reconsider. Okay, now he's interested. (laughs) Jackie would. Jackie keeps trying to get him to date men. I don't know why. That is not the case. I asked him one time. That was it. Had to ensure. Okay. Um, No, I wasn't even serious. Okay. So now we go back to Benvolio and Romeo out in the street, and a servant has been given a list of all of the people to invite to Mr. Capulet's party, but the servant can't read, so they go up to Romeo and is like, hey... I can't read, and I'm supposed to find all these people and invite them to the party. Why did you pick that servant? Why did you give them a list and be like, here you go? Watch this awesome prank I'm about to do on this servant. Do you think they were just, like, too embarrassed to say, hey, I can't read? Yes, 100%. He was too embarrassed to say that he couldn't read. I mean, we've all been in that situation before, right, where someone assumes we know how to do something and they give us some task, and then we just, like, have to sort of pretend we're, like, really thinking hard about it or something, but we actually just, yeah, we're just stalling. (laughs) I don't have any idea how to do it. Can you give an example? When some like sort of manual labor needs to be done, when something needs to be put together or something like that, and someone's like, okay. Can you pick this up? And you're like, I don't know how to carry (laughs) things. My arms don't work. But no, they're like, can you go crank the... Drive shaft? Yeah, can you go crank the drive shaft for me? And I'm like, yeah, sure, I got that. And then I walk away and I'm like, does anyone know what a drive shaft is? Change the blinker fluid. Yeah, cars too. Do you, well, that's a joke. I mean, blinker fluid's not a, a thing. He doesn't even know that. <laughs> he was like, yeah, yeah, that too. I also can't do that. <laughs> or I was thinking with, um, like, so now that I'm taking piano lessons and I'm not so good at uh, practicing as much as I should because, you know, I'm a busy adult. Um, I get to the lesson sometimes and my teacher will be like, all right, so let's start with this one. How's your progress been? And I'll be like, oh, you know, I didn't, 
Um, I'm assuming it's better than last time. Who knows? <laughs> I haven't looked at this one in a few days, so it might be a little rough. Meanwhile, I've never played it before. Oh, <laughs> I'm no. just like, okay, let me show you how oh I'm doing gosh. with it. Theo's <laughs> like, I'm never going to teach Jackie how to play an instrument. Well, if she's paying. I mean, if you're teaching composition lessons, it's great because then you're just going to talk about whatever. Because <laughs> <laughs> it could all work. Like, it could all help them compose. Who knows? Yeah. Let's talk about your early childhood. Let's see what we can pull from that. Yeah. Um, all right. So the servant goes up to Romeo and Benvolio, not realizing that they're from the house of Montague and says, hey, I'm supposed to like invite all these people, but I can't read the names. Can you tell me who's who's on there? Mm-hmm. So Romeo takes it and looks it over and realizes that the woman he's in love with, Rosalind, is going to be at this party. And Benvolio is like, dude, we should totally go. Like there's going to be all these hot ladies of Verona there. Like you can totally check out mm-hmm. the other offerings and then you'll forget about Rosalind. And he's like, eh, okay, like I don't think it's a good idea, but I guess I'll go because I don't really want to check out these other other ladies, but Rosalind will be there, so maybe something can happen. So they mm-hmm. decide to go to this party that they're not supposed to know about. Wait, so the, the servant was just supposed to walk around town inviting people? Like delivering invitations and stuff. To a party like that night. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but they didn't know where they were going. I think a lot of people probably know this, but, you know, Shakespeare's plays are divided into different categories. So you have the comedies, the tragedies, the histories. This is a tragedy, but there's a lot of, like, funny stuff in it, and it's just... So many mistakes are made. Like, this is a real butterfly effect of a play. Mm. Anything could change. And if that servant had just been literate, none of this would have happened. Oh, my gosh. Right? Wow. This is why you don't teach people how to read. No, you don't want this to happen, Rachel. No, Romeo shouldn't have even learned how to read. Oh. Oh. (laughs) There wouldn't be a list in the first place. You went the opposite way. If everyone was illiterate, this couldn't have happened. I think if everyone was illiterate, Rachel. It wouldn't have even been written. True. We could have avoided this whole podcast. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. We could have avoided this whole thing. So we're cutting back to the Capulet household now. Cutting back. So... Lady Capulet is there with the nurse who has been taking care of Juliet since she was a baby. And she talks about how yeah, so she like had a— Yeah, five years ago because she's too young. <laughs> yeah. So very recently stopped breastfeeding her about two years ago. Yeah. So, and the nurse is kind of silly. She talks about how she had a daughter who died, so she's taking care of Juliet instead. How silly. Well, I— the, What the, a juxtaposition. But she is. I mean, she's silly <laughs> about it. Like, she just goes off on these tangents and is like, oh, Susanna, she was blah, blah, blah. They're such good friends with Juliet. And then Lady Capulet's always like, can you please shut up about your dead daughter for one second? Wow. Doesn't she? I mean, and kind of. I just comedy? wouldn't have juxtaposed those things together. Yeah. I mean, this was written by a man, Theo. So Lady Capulet comes in and is talking to Juliet and her nurse saying, hey, we have this idea, Juliet. How would you feel if you were going to get married? And Juliet was like, to a grown man. I am 13. I haven't considered this. Um, I guess I could think about it. Yeah, I'll take a look at that guy. Yeah. So she's like, yeah, his name is Paris. Your dad picked him out. He's going to be at the party. Take a look at him. And she's like, I'm not going to promise I'm going to fall in love, but I'll at least take a look at him. Gosh, 13 is so young, though. I know. What grade is that? What grade? That's the only way I know. Like eighth grade? Yeah. Like eighth grade. I was 13 when I went into high school, so early ninth grade. So anyway... Then we're back out in the street and we're looking at the Montagues. The party is starting. The party is starting. And so Romeo and Benvolio, the cousins we talked about earlier, come in with Mercutio, who is one of their friends. He's hilarious. Everyone's favorite. Yeah. Mercutio is so funny. (laughs) Does he also have good material about his child dying? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Great material. (laughs) 
All right. I didn't say funny. I said silly. <laughs> the more, yeah, the more kids you've had die, the sillier you are in Jackie's estimation. <laughs> okay, so they go to the party. They're inside, kind of sneaking in a little bit because they're definitely not supposed to be there. But you know, there's no ID. Mercutio keeps talking about how they need to dance. They're like, "How good are we gonna dance, guys?" And Romeo's like, "I don't think I'm gonna dance. I don't think this is a good idea." And Mercutio's like, "You better fucking dance." They're wearing masks. Yeah. So when they get inside, Romeo he sees Juliet from across the room, basically, and immediately that's it for that boy. Rosalind who? He's like, Rosalind who? Yeah. (laughs) So he's watching her and he's like, I am so into this. This is awesome. And then Tybalt, who is also a Capulet. So the good thing is you can kind of tell who is who based on how their names end. (laughs) So all the Montagues end in vowels. Yeah, like the Montagues sound very Italian. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Romeo, Benvolio, Mercutio, those are all Montagues. And then you have Juliet, Capulet, Tybalt, Capulet. Yeah. Yeah. So Tybalt recognizes Romeo and is like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? A Montague right in front of my salad? That's basically what he says. (laughs) And he is about to attack and kill him, I guess. But Mr. Capulet's like, no, you can't do that. We're going to get killed by the prince, basically. Don't kill this man at my party. That'll totally harsh the vibe. (laughs) They can't just escort him out? I mean, they will. He'll he'll leave. They know he'll leave. But they don't want to make a big scene. They don't want to ruin the party. But so Romeo, he speaks to Juliet at the party and she's immediately attracted to him as well and they kiss each other. They don't even know each other's names yet, but they kiss. And he finds out from the nurse that Juliet is a Capulet and he gets extremely upset. And then Juliet finds out that he's a Montague and she gets upset. You want me to keep going, Jackie? (laughs) Yeah, I was just laughing because there's a part where uh, Mr. Capulet says to Tybalt when Tybalt's like, I want to kill that guy. He says, you're a saucy boy. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of sauce on this boy, isn't there? (laughs) So Mercutio and Benvolio leave the estate And Romeo decides, like, I can't leave her. I'm in love. So he jumps over the wall into the Capulet's (laughs) garden and hides, like... Yeah, and his friends are looking for him. They can't find him. And so Mercutio is like, hold on, I'll get him. Rosalind's looking for you. Ooh, I call you in the name of Rosalind and how hot (laughs) she is. Come out. Look, her thighs are so smooth. Romeo. He says the thighs? <laughs> I think he does, yeah. It says, yeah, by her fine foot, straight leg, and quivering thigh. Ew! Yeah, it says that. And Benvolio says, he's gonna be mad if he hears you. You know that, right? Mikishi is like, he'll never be mad about this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mad. <laughs> Romeo don't care about that anymore, yeah. Romeo don't care about that. It would only be bad if Juliet hears it. Yeah, but they don't know. So they're like, whatever. We can't find him anywhere. Just leave him out here. So they go to bed. Romeo is looking up at Juliet. She appears in her window. The this is the famous balcony scene. And he's like, oh, my God. She's resting her head on her hand. <laughs> I wish I wore her glove so I could touch her face. <laughs> yeah. You've already kissed her. You're fine. You don't have to be wishing for, like, some fucking perv stuff. You think that's pervy? Fucking perv stuff. Wanting to touch her cheek. <laughs> yeah, to, so To gross. be like, 
Oh, I wish I were her glove. Yeah, that's pervy. You've never <laughs> thought anything like that? What? I don't think so. I've never been like, oh, I wish I were that guy's snapback. What's a snapback? One of those hats with a snap on it. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> wow, I thought you were alive in 2012. I posted a tweet the other day that, of course, only uh, Theo's friend Michael liked because Michael likes my tweets and mm-hmm. no one else likes my tweets. I was just thinking about, so I do this like exercise thing a couple times a week and the woman who runs it is like 10 years older than me and she always has this like quite outdated music playing and one of the songs is sugar we're going down swinging by fallout boy i was thinking about it and i was like you know there's one part of that song that's actually like a really good line and i was thinking about how like i don't know that there's a better metaphor in all of poetry in all of literature like they got the best one fallout boy what is it (laughs) he says he's like watching the girl that he loves with someone else and he says wishing to be the friction in your genes and I posted that and Michael was like yeah I agree it's gross but it's also like I don't know I just feel like that's a good metaphor right the friction in her genes or the guy's genes no in hers I I like to minimize the amount of friction in my genes Hmm. that's how you get chafing oh so he wishes he was minimized yeah (laughs) I think she would like the the friction to be minimized but he would like it to be maximized and he would also like to become it yeah Yeah. that is true that's what he wants so Romeo's like if only I could be the friction in Romeo's genes Romeo's Celebrity couple name. I read a book when I was in middle school. Did you ever read Romeo and Julio? I didn't because I knew it was going to be silly, but I saw it in the library. It was extremely silly. There was a book called Romeo and Julio about Julio was like from Mexico and Romeo was like a black girl and their families didn't want them to be together. But spoiler, they survived. Oh, they didn't die? Okay. Okay. They almost died. They didn't die. So once again, you said it's very silly and then explained something that's very not silly. (laughs) 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 Okay. So Romeo's like, oh man, I wish she would say something. And then Juliet starts talking and she's like, God, I fucking love Romeo. That was so cool. She doesn't know his name, but she's like, oh, I'm just like. I wish he was this glove right now. Isn't that when she says a rose by any other name would smell as sweet? That's right. Yeah. She's like, oh, man, that was so awesome. I really hate that he's a Montague. Like, why does he have to be called that? If he was just called something else, it would be fine. She wants to know wherefore art thou Romeo, basically. Wherefore meaning why, not yeah. meaning where. Right. Which a lot of people don't realize. Why are you Romeo? Imagine if she's just sitting there and she's like, "Ah, where is Romeo? And he just pops out of a bush. (laughs) Here I am. (laughs) Well, she starts talking and he thinks to himself, ooh, she just said like she loves me. Should I pop out and say something now? No, I think I'll wait for her to say more nice things. So he lets her keep talking. Yeah. And then finally he's like, here I am. And she's like, you've been standing there listening to me this whole time. Who is it? Who do you think it is, girl? You don't recognize the voice of your beloved? No, she's only heard it like one time. <laughs> well, who else would be hiding in your garden at night? Anybody? Paris, Paris maybe? Yeah, freaking Paris. Freaking Paris. He doesn't really love her. He doesn't even know her. All right. So they go back and forth and they tell each other, I love you. I love you too. Okay. We both love each other. Perfect. She's like, good thing it's dark or you would see me blushing. And he's like, yeah, night is so great. I wish I could be there with you. She asked him to swear that she loves him. The funny thing is her nurse, the whole time this is happening, the nurse is like, Juliet, come to bed. And she's like, hang on a minute, nurse. And then they talk some more. And she's like, Juliet, Mm -hmm. hang on a minute. And this goes back and forth maybe five times. She's like, I'll be right there. Yeah, yeah. So Romeo is like, here, what what do I need to do to prove that I love you? What shall I swear by? And she says, don't swear at all. And he's like, but I love you. And she's like, no, don't swear. This love is too rash, too unadvised, too sudden, too like the lightning. Mm-hmm. There's the, the title of the book. 
Yeah. But she says, doesn't she say, if you're really going to swear, swear by your own sweet self that I like so much? Yeah, yeah. So after they've had this delightful little scene, Romeo runs off. He's like, I need to go talk to my friend Friar Lawrence because... He's like, uh, I'll come back tomorrow and we'll get married tomorrow. Is that cool? And she's like, yeah, that works for me. I don't have anything else going on. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so he runs off because he's friends with a priest who can marry the two of them. So he goes to see Friar Lawrence and he's like, good news, I'm in love. And he's like, oh yeah, with Rosaline, we all know that. And he's like, no, someone else. <laughs> it's Juliet. <laughs> Who's Rosaline? <laughs> and Friar Lawrence is quite old. He's like his friend, but he's also like his teacher. So he's, mentor he's his figure. mentor and stuff. Yeah, and he's like, what do you mean you love someone else? You were just all crying all over Verona about Rosalind, and now you're telling me you love someone else? He's like, yeah, well, I don't care about her anymore. Yeah, mm. this is who I like. So the friar's like, okay, if I marry these two, maybe it'll end the feud between their families. So, okay, I'll do it. He says that to himself as a little aside or something. A little, He's plotting. Oh. He says it to Romeo, too. He's like, I don't know that this is a great idea, but I guess in this case, it would be maybe helpful. So I, I agree. I'll marry you tomorrow. And Romeo's like, I was great. picturing him like rubbing his hands together saying that. <laughs> 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 maybe I can end this age old feud. <laughs> <laughs> How diabolical. <laughs> yeah. So this is the first of pretty much everything that Friar Lawrence does that I'm like, what the fuck, Friar Lawrence? <laughs> like, why? Just you'll wait. Just wait. He, but this first thing isn't terrible right well Romeo didn't tell him she was 13 right he knows her he knows Juliet everybody knows everybody he knows the Capulet's daughter well, he might not know her age <laughs> it hope. doesn't matter he knows that he's marrying a young girl to this guy that they just met tonight to a young boy. and neither of them are going to tell their families and he's like eh. you know what I can take this into my own hands I think I can end this feud I don't need to consult anyone else fine yeah bring her by I'll marry you well I feel like their families are making bad decisions a lot of the time so yeah. you shouldn't leave it to the families, right? Yeah. I mean I'm on I'm on Friar Lawrence's side. Let's get this plot moving, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like the Capulet parents haven't really done anything bad yet, and the Montague parents haven't even been in it at all. It's just like the hot headed young cousin. How did Romeo never meet Juliet before or never know who she was or anything? Because their families are feuding, so they've never interacted. They don't go to the same parties. They're not allowed to be together. But doesn't he know the other ones? The other what? The other people in the family? Only maybe some of the men, I would guess. Only the guys he's been fighting with? Yeah, basically. Hmm. It's okay. not like you have to brand yourself on the forehead if you're a Capulet or a Montague. So Rosalind, she's neither. She's ne Most people don't belong to these two families. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there's plenty of other families. They're the ones who are like, we're really sick of these two fighting each other all the time. Yeah. Hmm. So the plan is that the two of them are going to run off, meet up together, and get married and then I guess tell their families, hey, we're already married, so you can't do anything. Yeah, I guess they could do that. It just doesn't seem to me like it would go well. So they do it. They run off and they, they get secretly married. And what's the other strategy? Uh-huh. I don't think they have any other strategy possible. Well, like you could maybe talk to your parents about it. Or like get married and then totally run away. Don't bother telling your family. Or run yeah. away. True. The nurse goes and talks to Romeo and is like, sure, she'll come. And then she goes back to Juliet and she's like, yeah, he said he wants to marry you. So she says, here, you go to Friar Lawrence's cell and then I will get a ladder and he'll come up to your bedroom and you can consummate the marriage. Which like, what would happen if like Mr. Capulet walks in and Juliet is consummating is in the middle of having is consummating with a little Montague boy. 
Like, this is all just terrible ideas. They have to consummate or it can get annulled. Why does it have to happen in her bedroom in her parents' house? Mm. Well, where's it going to happen? The garden? The friar's cell? They could take Juliet out. Look, people go to the woods to have sex all the time. Have you not read A Midsummer Night's Dream? That's literally what the woods are for. But this is Italy. This is, yeah, this is the middle of Verona. This is Italy. There are no trees in Italy. Not in the middle of Verona. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they should have done it in Juliet's bedroom, but can't think of another place to do it. It just seems really risky. Well, nobody caught them. Nobody caught them. Go to a movie theater, sit in the back, something like that. (laughs) Just do some (laughs) hand stuff. That counts. Consummate the marriage in the back of the movie theater. Yeah. It's an age-old tradition. Okay. I can't believe you just said that, Rachel. (laughs) That it's an age-old tradition? No, do some hand stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It counts. (laughs) God can tell. Okay. So... So now we're at act three. Yeah, we're zipping through. So the next day, they're married now. And Benvolio and Mercutio, who are, do you remember Theo? Montague's. Yes. Mercutio is very funny. Benvolio is the cousin of Romeo, and they have kind of a cute cousin relationship. (laughs) Wow, you really have been listening. Kind of like you and Joseph. Oh my gosh, yes. So they run into Tybalt. Do you remember Tybalt? He's the fiery one from the Capulets. Yes, the cousin Capulets. of Juliet. And he's still pissed that Romeo snuck into their party. Get so he it. challenges Romeo to a duel and Romeo pops up. And Romeo is like, I really don't want to fight. And he can't explain why because, you know, he's like, I'm actually your in-law now. I can't say why, but I don't want to fight you. <sighs> yeah, he's like, no, 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 I really don't think we should. Benvolio doesn't know any of this either. And he's like, Romeo, you're being a dweeb. Just fight him. Who cares? Yeah. So he's like, I'll do it for you. So yeah. he starts fighting Mercutio and Mercutio stabs him. Or sorry, other way around. What actually happens before that, Romeo tells Tybalt, he's like, I don't want to fight you. I can't say why. Can we hold off until you know why I don't want to fight you? And then once you know why, you won't want to fight me anymore. So let's just wait a minute. And then once you know why, then we'll fight. Yeah, I trust you. Yeah, that totally makes a lot of sense and isn't confusing at all. I agree to those terms. I just can't. Again, I keep thinking like they think that this plan would work. But imagine if he said, Tibble, the reason I can't fight you is that I had sex with your cousin. And I met her at that party. Last night. (laughs) (laughs) That you wanted to kill me at. Remember that? Remember how you were mad I came to your party? Well, I banged your 13-year-old cousin. How do you feel now? You know, do you think Tibble's going to be like, oh, well then, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) that's fine. By all means. (laughs) So we're friends, right? Yeah. No fighting? That's what his plan was. Um, Luckily, he didn't have to do that because Mercutio decides to fight Tibble on his behalf. And unfortunately... Tybalt kills him. (laughs) Right. It was very silly. Romeo jumps in the middle and he's like, stop, stop, stop. And Tybalt stabs under Romeo's arm and stabs Mercutio like from with Romeo in between. Stabs him and Mercutio dies. And then Romeo is so angry that he kills Tybalt like reactively. And then he runs away. Well, he thinks now I have to fight him. Like, this is now my duty because he's killed my kinsman. Well, my best friend, actually, right? Isn't Mercutio just a friend? It's just so cowardly. Just murdering people like that. <laughs> what part? The way <laughs> they did it in that scene. Which which person? So selfish. <laughs> okay. The way what? they did it. You got some good lines you want to read from those death scenes, Jack-Jack? Well, I think I think it's a little funny kind of what he says. He's like, Romeo's like, oh, my God, oh, my God, you're hurt. Is it bad? And he's like, well, the stab wound is not as deep as a well or as wide as a church door. 
but it's enough. Ask for me tomorrow and you will find me a grave man. He's cool. He's a cool guy. <laughs> He's like cracking jokes. Yeah. But he does say like a plague on both your houses, a plague on both your houses. He's the one where that famous line comes from. And w- was everyone, they looked at each other and they're like, I don't get it. Yeah. What? What do you mean? W- what's the punchline there? Yeah. What is he, re- what is he referencing? <laughs> so he also blames Romeo. He says, why did you jump in between us? He stabbed me from under your arm and Romeo's like, oh, sorry, like, I thought I was helping. And then Mercutio dies. Well, like, if you didn't jump in between them, wouldn't he have just been stabbed some other way? Like, like regularly? I guess he was distracted because he's like, well, I don't want to hurt my friend. I'll pause my fight. But Tybalt fought dirty. Romeo's like, oh, no, what's happened? Oh, and no. he and Benvolio are going back and forth and they're like, fuck Tybalt. He killed our friend and now he's just fine. <laughs> he thinks it's cool. And Romeo says, oh, sweet Juliet, thy beauty hath made me effeminate. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. OK, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> you just don't want to kill her cousin who she's close to. Yeah. He's like, I should have been a man and fought him myself, but I became a lady and now I have to get revenge. So Romeo kills Tybalt <laughs> and runs away. Yeah. Romeo kills him. And Benvolio's like, Romeo, you got to run. Everyone's pissed at you. And so here comes like, again, like the governor or something. The prince comes up and is like, who was fighting? I heard it. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> and so there's Tibble, and they're like, what happened? And Benvolio, who is a friend of Romeo's, is like, look, Romeo tried to stop the fighting. Tybalt wouldn't listen. Tybalt caused all of this. And then he killed Mercutio. And so Romeo had to kill Tybalt because he was starting everything. And someone else shows up and is like... Lady Capulet. R- Juliet's mom is like, he's lying. Lady Capulet is like, yeah, he's friends with the Montagues. Of course he would say that. Like, he's lying. We have to get Romeo. And the prince listens. The prince is like, look, I don't really care how it started. Tybalt killed Mercutio. Romeo killed Tybalt. Romeo has to pay. So he's banished forever. He can never come back to Verona. Yeah. They want him to be sentenced to death, but he says, no, there's mitigating circumstances. He tried to stop the fighting, whatever. This other guy killed someone first. So instead of killing him, let's just banish him forever. Yeah. So after this, uh, Romeo's friend, Friar Lawrence, says, hey, you have to flee Verona. He's going to a city called Mantua. He's planning to leave the next morning. So he's kind of hiding out at the moment. And he says, look, you and Juliet can spend your wedding night here before you have to flee. I thought you said they already consummated the wedding. I don't know. It's another day. They can have another wedding night. Who knows? They can have as another many consum- as they freaking <laughs> want. Yeah, they can be constantly consummating. Constant consummation. That's the whole point of getting married when you're a teen. Maybe that's what uh, Romeo is telling her. Like, oh, yeah, it has to be like five or six times before it really counts. <laughs> yeah. I believe at this point that they have not yet consummated the wedding because they've only been married for a couple hours when Romeo kills Tybalt. So I mean, he's a teenager. It might be pretty quick. I don't know. He's 17. It doesn't take him that long. <laughs> he's oh, God, he's on his way. And the nurse is supposed to like she gets sent by Juliet to go like get some cords so that I guess Romeo can climb his way up. Oh, okay. So the nurse comes back and is like, yeah, I have the cords, but listen, like something real bad happened. And Juliet's like, oh my God, did Romeo die? Is Romeo dead? And she's like, someone's dead. It'll take me a while to tell you who though. And then finally she gets it out of her that like Tybalt has been killed and Romeo did it. And of course, Juliet is devastated and she's crying for her cousin 
but she's also crying because Romeo's been banished. But then she's like, I can't believe I married my cousin's murderer. But then she's like, no, my loyalty is with Romeo. He's my husband. I have to be on his side. Yeah, I met him yesterday. I know what kind of guy he is. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to forget about Tybalt, who I've known my entire life, and my loyalty is with Romeo now. all about Romeo, yeah. Huh. Huh. What would you guys do? Well, okay, Thea, what if your true love killed Joseph? What would you think? Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, no. I think you would pick Joseph. (laughs) But what if it was Joseph's fault? Like, what if Joseph killed your true love's cousin and then she killed him and, like, immediately killed him in revenge? Would you be like, that's fine? We've all been there, right? This is relatable. Oh, man. This is the saddest thing I can think of. (laughs) Oh, he loves Joseph. Yeah, but his true love? Come on. Well, he doesn't even know who she is yet. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I've known Joseph for so long, and my true love I've only known for one day. Just like Juliet and, and Tybalt. I, don't, I mean, I'd ha- What if you loved her enough to marry her immediately? <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. I wouldn't strive for that kind of love. I, I mean, I would immediately convince myself that she wasn't my true love, because my true love don't do stuff like that. Kill Joseph because he deserves it. But what if it was <laughs> Joseph's fault? Yeah. How is that Joseph's fault? He started the fight. It just has to be. Your true love was like, please don't fight. Don't fight. And then Joseph's like, oh, I'm going to kill. I'd never believe that. That doesn't sound like Joseph. I'm going to kill. I know. You never knew him at all. (laughs) So, um, yeah. So Friar Lawrence is like, hey, great news. You're not going to be killed. You're just going to be banished forever. And Romeo is such a whiny little bitch about it. And he's like, that's worse than death, Friar Lawrence. How can you say that that's mercy when I'm going to be over there in Mantua and any stupid fly buzzing around Verona can land on Juliet's face, but I can't. He really wants to be on her face. He's kind of a perv about her face, isn't he? (laughs) So then um, Paris, the one that Juliet is supposed to be married to in a couple of years, is talking with Juliet's parents. Her father is saying she's crying a whole lot over Tybalt, like more than we thought she ever would. Maybe they're in love. Like maybe you're a redundant character, Paris. (laughs) (laughs) They don't say that. They're just like, obviously she's crying for Romeo, but they're like, man, she's really sad about her cousin. It's a little weird. Mr. Capulet is saying to Paris, let's cheer her up. And how about you marry her? Uh, let's see. Today's Monday, Thursday. Yeah, let's let's Thursday. You guys get married, and Paris is like, "That sounds awesome. Can't wait. Let's go." Now we're in scene five, and Romeo and Juliet at this point have just consummated the marriage. They're leaving her chambers, walking out to the balcony, and she's like, "Oh, are you really gonna leave?" Like they hear a bird chirping, and she's like, "It's the nightingale. It's the nightingale." And Romeo's like, "That's not a nightingale. That's a lark. That means the sun's about to come up." That is a day bird. She's totally acting like a 13-year-old. <laughs> Just like not knowing what type of bird she's hearing. <laughs> yeah. Oh and she's like, no, that daylight, that's not daylight. That's probably a meteor. Like, that's why we're seeing light over there. And he's like, you know what? I guess let me just stay here and be put to death because I don't want to leave. And then she's like, oh, shit, it is morning. You need to leave. Like, she just switches. (laughs) Women always changing their minds. Like, do you think she was just saying that? She was just saying that, and he was like, you know what? I'll stay. And she's like, you know what? I think you should go. She's just playing devil's advocate. She's playing hard to get. God, what a wife. Like, she's already annoying as hell. The old ball and chain, am I right? (laughs) The old ball and chain who wants me to stay with her. 
So he's like, okay, I got to go. I got to go. He says, I'm going to go, but I'm going to take every opportunity I can to write to you. And I, I don't doubt that we're going to see each other again one day. Shouldn't he take her, his wife? <laughs> I mean, but her nurse is calling for her. So Lady Capulet comes in and is like, what's going on, Juliet? And she's like, I don't feel good. And Lady Capulet says, are you still crying over Tybalt? What, are you going to wash him out of the grave with all your tears? Girl. Well, if you did wash him out of his grave, guess what? He'd still be dead. So you can't bother with all this crying. He died yesterday. Get over it. <laughs> yeah. I know we heard this in something else, too. Was it uh, the Odyssey or something, maybe, where it's like, oh, no, sorry. It was from Cicero's How to Be a Friend. Like, you know, crying for your cousin a little bit shows that you loved him, but crying too much is inappropriate. You're really crying way too much. Yeah, you're just showing up. And of course, Juliet can't be, well, I'm crying because I'm sad about Romeo. So she and her mom have this conversation where she's saying to her, like, I really can't stand that Romeo's out there alive and I'm not with him because if I were with him, I would kill him. And Lady Capulet's like, yeah, we're going to get him. Don't worry. We're going to bring him to you. And Juliet's like kind of talking in code a little bit. Hmm. She's like, yeah, I wish I could get my hands on that Romeo right now. I would throw myself at him and kill him. It would be awesome. <laughs> Give him a big kill him. <laughs> Give him a big sloppy wet kill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> she says, um, villain and he be many miles asunder. God pardon him. I do with all my heart and yet no man like he doth <laughs> grieve my heart. Lady Capiola is like, yeah, that's because that traitor's still alive. And she's like, yeah. From the reach of these, my hands would none but I venge my cousin's death. Yeah. I wish nobody would take revenge on him except me. It except would be my me. choice whether or not anything happens to him. <laughs> yeah. And she says, if you could but find a man to give me a poison, I would temper it so that Romeo should sleep in Sorry, quiet. who? Oh, how my heart. Romeo. You said Romeo. You said Romeo. Damn it. Did I again? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> Sorry. She says... Oh, how my heart abhors to hear him named and cannot come to him to wreak the love I bore my cousin Tybalt upon his body. Yeah, that's gross. Can't wait to just love that guy to death. Yeah, I, however much I love Tybalt, I'm going to pour all that all over Romeo until he dies. That's how much I'm going to have sex on the guy that killed him. <laughs> and her mom's like, don't worry, we'll, we'll send an assassin and kill him. And then she's like, but good news, you're going to marry a grown man in a couple days. Won't that be nice? Oh my gosh, she can't get double married. <laughs> I know. So Juliet's torn because she's like, I can't tell them I'm already married to Romeo, but I also can't get double married. What's a 13-year-old girl to do? <laughs> I know. One marriage is enough for a 13-year-old, I tell you. Well, she says, okay, no, I'm not going to be happy about that. You know, I pray thee, tell my father I will not marry yet. And when I do, I swear it shall be Romeo, who you know I hate. Yeah. Why does she say that? And the lady capital like, tell your dad yourself. She's saying, if I'm going to marry anyone, it would be Romeo, but you know I hate him. That just proves how much I'm not going to get married at all. <laughs> yeah. It's like a when pigs fly kind of thing, but if you if you literally were a flying pig. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> or you were married to a flying pig. Yeah. <laughs> so Lady Capulet's like, well, tell your dad that yourself. I'm not telling him. So he comes in with the nurse and he's like, oh, my poor baby. She's crying about her cousin. Oh, I had no idea there were so many tears in this one little body. How is it possible? And then she's like, dad, I don't want to marry Paris. And he's like, get the fuck out of my yeah, house. Are you kidding? <laughs> I can kill you right now. I don't care. I, You're not my child. You don't deserve to be here. Hang the young baggage, disobedient wretch. Yeah. Then he says, you're going to marry him 
you're never going to see me again. She needs to just be like, look, I'm already married. You know, Mm. she's already being kicked out of the family. So just tell him. Just rip the Band-Aid off, girl. And everyone, his wife, the nurse, they're like, dude, calm (laughs) down. (laughs) Don't talk like this. Well, Lady Capulet is still pretty rude. She's like, nope. I'm not talking to you anymore. Your dad said you're dead to us, so do whatever you want. I'm done with you. Yeah, basically. Yeah, they're mad. They're like, look, we raised you. We found you the greatest husband possible, and now this is how you talk to us? We fed you for 13 whole years by giving you the body of another woman, and then we kind of helped you out after that? Yeah. (laughs) So Juliet's upset. (laughs) And she asked the nurse, what should I do? And the nurse is like, look, Romeo's basically dead. Like, he's banished, so he's not really dead, but he's basically dead. So just go ahead and marry Paris. Like, it'll be way simpler. And Juliet's like, that's not good advice. (laughs) She's like, it's worse for you to tell me to be a bigamist than for me to disobey my dad. So that's it. And then she thinks to herself, well, I'm going to go see Friar Lawrence. And, you know, worst comes to worst, I can always die. It'll be awesome. Mm -hmm. It sounds like Juliet just wants a play written about her. Yeah, she's acting like that. Such an attention seeker. (laughs) All right. So the next scene, or I guess the next act, she goes to visit Friar Lawrence. She's like, help, help, help. What am I going to do? I have to marry Paris tomorrow, but I'm already married to Romeo. You know what's going on. And he says, I've got a plan. You know this because you married us. Remember that, adult? (laughs) So he's like, okay, I have a plan. The two of you can reunite in Mantua. But what we're going to do is we're going to give you a potion that makes it look like you're dead. And so your family will think you're dead. They'll put your body in the crypt and Romeo and I will go get your body and take you out. You'll wake up and then the two of you can run off together and be happy and free. What the fuck, Friar Lawrence? It's a pretty good plan. (laughs) What? Just, hey, we need to come clean. We need to come clean and talk because he's looking out for himself at this point. He's like, I can't let them know that I married their kid to the guy who ended up killing her cousin a few hours later. Like, that's not going to look good on me. Look, here, we're going to skip over this whole marriage thing. We're going to pretend you're dead. Yeah, he should have just said, we're going to, we're just going to have to talk about it, Juliet. I think it's fine not coming clean. I think the the potion bit is just a little extra complication. Just say she fell in a well and shrug your shoulders and then she's already in Mantua. Body's gone. Yeah, sorry. I saw her fall. We can't find her. Well, yeah. I think I think the reason he's like me to do this is because her parents have already said if they weren't positive, I don't know. I think it's like they need a body to be sure she's dead because if they think she's alive, they're perfectly capable. Her parents have already said that. <laughs> they're perfectly capable of sending like spies and assassins all over Italy. Mm. I thought you were saying like there was a scene we skipped over where Lady and Lord Capulet are like, just in the event our daughter were to die. <laughs> if we yeah. don't see that body, we're going <laughs> to assume Juliet's alive just so everyone knows. <laughs> it's just a, a toast at their party. <laughs> to seeing your daughter's body to be sure. <laughs> Sure, she's dead. <laughs> and then Friar Lawrence is like, well, dang, I can't just say she fell in a well because of that. That was expert exposition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so Juliet goes home. So he gives her this potion, which it's like, again, are you a doctor? Are you a, a medicine expert, Friar Lawrence? Like, you know, you can actually kill this girl. This is clearly a very toxic poison because not only does it put her to sleep, it slows her breathing and her heart rate enough that, like, she seems to be dead when people check. Yeah. Jackie, as a doctor, does this potion actually exist? As a doctor, Jackie. Not a doctor. You guys are doctors. You tell me. Oh, yeah, we are doctors. There are mm. different blends that you can make, and they're very dangerous, and you have to get the proportions, like, perfect 
that would make someone seem dead for an amount of time. It's not a medicine. It yeah, it's it is a potion basically. <laughs> I can't imagine. People have done it. Yeah, I can't think of any actual medicine that, how does it stop you from, like, wouldn't you just die of oxygen deprivation? No, it's just so slow and gradual, and it just slows your bodily processes down so much that you just don't need that much. But there's a risk of brain damage. (laughs) Basically, it's like freezing someone. Yeah, it's, it's dangerous. Yeah. But it's been done it's been done many times like it's documented that it's possible to do. You know, one there's only been one person ever who has survived symptomatic rabies and it was because they put her into a coma for so long that her body forgot. Yeah, eventually her body forgot. That's the medical term. <laughs> hey, what was I doing? <laughs> Why was I freaking oh, out I was like being this? <laughs> How embarrassing. Yeah. No, they just let the virus run its course until it was gone and then they woke her up and that's the only person that's ever survived. I heard the radio lab about that. Why don't they keep doing that? If it works, keep doing it. Yeah, I mean, it was not very simple, though. Like, she almost died many, many yeah, times. Yeah, but the, if the options are die or almost die, I'm going to pick almost die every time. And that's just me. Mm. I don't think it works every time. I think it worked on her. Yeah, but if it works at all and nothing else works at all, do the thing that occasionally works every time. Well, maybe they do. Maybe we just never hear about it because it never works. <laughs> Jackie, Jackie, Jackie. Okay. So Juliet goes home. She's got the potion. She finds out, oh, fuck, my parents moved the wedding ahead by one day and I have to get married tomorrow. So I'm going to drink my potion right now. Right now. And then she does. And Friar Lawrence, in the meantime, like Romeo has left. He's gone to Mantua and he says, I'm going to send somebody to let him know what's the plan, what, what the plan is, because I need to let Romeo know to come back on this certain day so that we can retrieve Juliet's body. But the person he sends to deliver this message to Romeo never makes it because he gets quarantined because of a plague. Yeah. Ah, COVID-1619. <laughs> so the message that says Juliet's not really dead doesn't get there. But the message that is Juliet died does get there. Oh, no. How? How does that get there? It's but not the rest just hot goss. I guess it just spreads on its yeah. own. Yeah. So Romeo hears Juliet died and the guy who has the knowledge that she's not really dead is just kind of sitting around waiting for his PCR test to come back. So in the meantime, Juliet drinks this potion and the nurse comes in and is like, God, this girl's a heavy sleeper. What a lazy bones. Get up, get up, get up, get up. And there's like a long time of her just being like, Juliet, Juliet, wake up. God, why is she so tired? Juliet, God, she's really sleeping hard. Juliet. And then finally she calls her mom and they come in and they're like, oh shit, she's dead. So anyway, obviously Romeo hears about her dying and he's like, okay, I'm going to kill myself. That'll be better. So he goes to an apothecary and buys some poison from him. And the apothecary's like, I don't want to sell you this. And Romeo's like, okay, well, I want you to, so just do it. Okay, then why is it in your store? (laughs) Don't sell poison to teens. (laughs) That's my advice. I mean, I think it's false advertising. If you have it in your store and you're like, I'm not giving it to you. Yeah, legal tender. Like, What is it, like NyQuil and he doesn't have the right ID or something? He's got to sell it. (laughs) So they, they give him the poison. All the adults are making even worse decisions than the children, I will maintain. The nurse, the friar, the apothecary guy. You're all failing these youths. Really? Yeah. What is the nurse doing sneaking around behind her master's backs, like bringing a ladder so some lad can come in and have sex with their daughter? She's bored. Jackie, they didn't have TV back then. (laughs) Yeah, Susanna died. What else am I going to spend my time on? I mean, basically, yeah. So now Paris, 
goes in to Friar Lawrence's cell to look at. Oh, Romeo at this point. Yeah. Romeo's like running back to Verona because he's like, I'm going to kill myself at her tomb. Yeah. Like I got <laughs> to be with her when I die. So Paris goes to the tomb and is just wanting to like see the body. At this point, I kind of do feel bad for him. Like, he's scattering flowers for this young teen. Yeah. Like I didn't like Paris, but I do feel kind of bad for him. Like he's, he, well, he's legitimately sad that she's dead. I guess he's a pedophile as well. <laughs> so Romeo comes in, sees Paris there. It gets mad. Yeah, Paris is like, I, you've got some nerves showing up right here. Like, this is what caused her to die. I think they think that she died of grief about Tibble. Yeah. Because she was crying so much. That's the assumption, because they don't know anything about dying. So Paris and Romeo fight, and Romeo kills Paris. And at this point, he decides... To take the poison, he seals it with a kiss. He gives her a little kiss, and then he takes the poison, and then he dies. And at this point, Friar Lawrence, boom, 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 boom. He just kind of comes bumbling in, and he's like, oh. Oh, fuck. <laughs> one minute too late. I should have picked up yeah. my feet a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Because he's on his way, and he literally has a line where he's like, all right, my plan's working. Just three more hours, and Juliet will wake up, and I can send her off to Mantua. <laughs> It'll be great. And then, oh, Friar Lawrence is off scot-free. But no, he's like, oh, shit. Ah, Romeo didn't get the message. I was here like five minutes too late. Like, this sucks. Oh, God, Paris is dead. Oh, God. And then Juliet wakes up and he's like, oh, God. (laughs) The other name for this play could just be like Friar Lawrence's no good, very bad day. Yeah, (laughs) really. Like just one week of bad choices. (laughs) I know. (laughs) He destroys everything. And Um, at this point, he's like, wait, maybe another potion yeah and then we could <laughs> a time reversal potion <laughs> yeah. oh one funny thing about paris is they're fighting and paris goes oh i am slain <laughs> yeah. oh. and then he falls over and he's like hey can you put me with juliet and then dies and and romeo does he's like yeah actually i will really yeah he's he's a good bro yeah he, three people one grave why not he actually does put paris in the monument And then he kills himself in there, too. So anyway, Juliet wakes up. Friar Lawrence is like, oh, your husband is dead and so is Paris. See, look, there they are. Uh, I'm going to send you to go with the nuns. Stay right there. Don't move. And he leaves. He says, come with me. Leave. Don't stay with these dead bodies. And she's like, no, I'm staying. Yeah. He's like, I'm too scared to stay. Uh, (laughs) You you come with me. So he leaves. He doesn't like make her go with him or anything. And then she's like. Oh, okay. Let me try and die. And she's like, Oh, I see. He had a cup. He poisoned himself. So she kisses Romeo's lips and she's like, Here with a kiss, let me die. Trying to get the poison off. Yeah, it doesn't work. Like the poison doesn't kill her fast enough. So she takes Romeo's dagger and stags her stabs herself in the chest. Oof. Talking about herself, she says famously, Oh happy dagger, this is thy sheath. Stabs herself and says, There rust and let me die, and then dies. This is thy sheath, my body. All right. So now there's like a, a group of men who are like the watchmen come and then one of Paris's servants come. And the prince is there, of course. He's everywhere. The prince just <laughs> always pops up like, why don't you pop up before something bad happens? Like, what are you doing always coming at the end being like, oh, hey, what's all this death here? Wow. Wow. Guess I showed up at the wrong time. Don't you have some governing to do? <laughs> so the Capulets and the Montagues are there, too. So they all show up. 
They realize that their kids are dead. Lady Montague dies of grief. <laughs> well, she already died. That She had like just died earlier that day. So the two Capulets are there and there's one Montague. And they're like, yeah, my wife just died because she was sad that my son got exiled. <laughs> Which seems like Shakespeare, that's a little bit overkill, don't you think? Yeah. So the prince says to all the, the to the family, the remaining family members, how about everybody just calms down <laughs> and stops <laughs> fighting? And the two families agree that it's time for them to end their feud and they erect a golden monument of Romeo and Juliet and the town lives in peace. Mm-hmm. Friar Lawrence also pops up and they're like, what are you doing here? And he says, hey, let me explain. Those two, they were married. <laughs> and I thought there was going to be a part where they're like, oh, well, it's time for Friar Lawrence to be put to death for <laughs> doing all no. of this. But they're like, thanks for explaining. Because this was really confusing. Yeah. <laughs> what, she was dead in her bed this morning and now she stabbed? Like, ha- what? Do you think you put it in there for the audience in case they forgot what happened? Yeah, so if the audience is totally lost, Friar Lawrence is like, just give me like, Three minutes. Okay, here's the whole story one more time. (laughs) He does. He says the entire thing again. He's like, look, I gave her this potion. I gave a letter to this guy to take to Romeo. The guy couldn't make it. Romeo came. Like, he really does the entire thing. (laughs) If we wanted to do a super short episode, we should just read Friar Lawrence's speech and be like, there you go. (laughs) So if any high schoolers are listening to this and you have a quiz, just read that speech. It's on like the second to last page. Yeah, and then at the very end of the speech, he says, I did all of that, I know all of that. And her nurse knew about it too. (laughs) Yeah. She's like trying to like stuff the ladder into a closet or something. She's like, no, no. He also, his last line, he says like, if any of this was my fault, go ahead and kill me, whatever. And the prince is like, nah, you're good. Oh, God. So Mercutio, Tybalt, Paris, Romeo, and Juliet, and Lady Montague were all dead. This is why, like, the fact that they make up so quickly and just put up this monument, I'm like, I feel like if they had just talked it out, it probably could have been okay. Like, all those people didn't have to die. Yeah. Friar Lawrence and the nurse are, yeah, I don't, I'm not fans of them. That's just the way life is. Do you want to read the final six lines from the prince, Theo or Jackie? Let's have Theo do it. So anyway, so the Montagues and Capulets, they're chatting. They're like, all right, our feud's over. Let's put up that golden statue of our two kids and everyone will get along. And then the prince says this. How does princes talk? Like in kind of a princely way, you know what I mean? A glooming peace this morning with it brings the sun. For sorrow, will not show his head. Go <laughs> hence. Oh, this is a little too happy. <laughs> oh, um, go hence. Um, no, he is happy now. He's saying, go hence to have more talk of these sad things. <laughs> what? Wait, is that? Oh, he is happy. Listen, go home. Talk about sad <laughs> stuff. I read that never wrong. never was a story of more woe. <laughs> some shall be pardoned, some punished. Punished. For never was a... St- oh. Some shall be pardoned and some punished, for never was a story of more woe than this of Juliet and her little Romeo. (laughs) The thing is, the reason why it's so sad is not just that the two of them died, but that they took down four more people. (laughs) And also because the play was so funny in a lot of parts, it made me like more sad that it all went so badly. You know, because I like those characters. I liked Mercutio. He's cool. Everybody likes Mercutio. He's definitely the best guy. Yeah. Like, if it had just been a bummer all the way through, then the sadness at the end wouldn't have been so sad. But because you like the people and you think they're funny, you know, yeah. it's even worse. Shakespeare did it right. I was trying to decide if we should give a free plug for a West Side Story with our erstwhile <laughs> classmate. 
in one of the lead roles. Nah, no free plugs. Yeah, no free plugs. But there have been a lot of <laughs> adaptations of Romeo and Juliet. Do you want to just read a few? I bet we can find some. Romeo and Julio, best in number one. Yeah. Yes, of course, West Side Story. <laughs> Probably a Muppets one. Romeo plus Juliet. Have there been any Muppets, Jackie? Kermio and Piggyette or something like that? Oh, Kermio. That is a great pun. Do you think? I bet it's real. No, it's not. Wherefore art thou, Kermio? Yeah. Like that. <laughs> That's pretty good. Was that a good piggy impersonation? I've never done it that It could have been before. better, but it was pretty good. Apparently, The Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, is an adaptation. Really? Yes, that's true. Because mm-hmm. Simba's daughter has a thing with Scar's son, oh, which is crap. like her cousin. <laughs> First cousin once removed, something like that. Oh, happy dagger! This thy sheath! They're rust. And let me die. <laughs> I don't really remember how to do Miss Piggy. That's pretty good. Do a good. Kermit. Read a line as Kermit. Should I do Romeo? Yeah, of course. Kermio. Go ahead. Here's to my love. Oh, true apothecary. My drugs are quick. Thus, with a kiss, I die. Nice. <laughs> I don't know. That was a very good. You think either. that was good, Thea? <laughs> mm-hmm. It looks like the Muppets have done a Romeo and Juliet. A couple little references, at least. They had one that was two gentlemen of Bologna or Bologna. I don't know how they spelled it. I, I feel like two gentlemen of Bologna would make more sense. I know, but who knows? There was the one with the little worms called Wormio and Juliet. Aww. There's a few different references. I like those worms. What do you guys say? I, I like it. I thought it was funny. thought it had some good characters. The language was great. There are so many lines in this where as you're reading it, you're going to recognize them and be like, oh, this is from Romeo and Juliet? Or at least that's how I felt. Yeah, like a plague on both your houses. I didn't realize that was from this. I think I read it in a freshman year of high school. I read it when I was about Juliet's age. (laughs) So I didn't really uh, get it. I was like, yeah, everybody's making great decisions in this. What's the big deal? (laughs) There's like parting is such sweet sorrow comes from Romeo and Juliet. My only love sprung from my only hate. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of little lines where you'll say, oh, I've heard that before. Yeah. As the sea, my love is deep. The more I give to thee, the more I have for both are infinite. That's famous as well. Here is a friar that trembles, sighs, and weeps. I don't know if I if that's like in the common parlance. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a friar that's freaking out. Wonder what's wrong with yeah, him. Yeah, we say that all the time. Guys, that's why I introduced myself at the beginning of every episode. I'm Theo, the producer who trembles, sighs, and weeps. <laughs> yeah. The only one who does that. Uh, no, I think I'm going to fire it. Really? Come on. Are you firing this? She said we could assume no one would fire it. Yeah, I know. Which makes me really want to fire it. She's assuming it, but maybe she realized she has more freedom than she thought. You know what assumptions do? They make an ass out of a chocolate. Uh-oh. Now we got to leave that in. Oh, of course we're leaving that in. Well... I liked it. Theo, what do you think? Do you think it should stay in? Do you guys have any memories of reading it in high school or no? I do. And I think a lot of the lines I would just remember a lot, like, for example, from The Crucible and other things that we've done, I just remember my classmates' misreadings of them. Yeah. In the beginning where it says, like, fetch me my rapier, ho. Uh, That's not what ho means. But, you know, in ninth grade, everyone. Ho. Fetch me my rapier, ho. Yeah. But everyone would be like, fetch me my rapier, ho. Yeah. (laughs) It didn't go that well. Yeah. And the bite my thumb at D thing. Yeah. That. (laughs) People kept saying that after the class the whole time, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. God, kids are so annoying. Yeah, well, Mm. what's the opposite of biting your thumb at something? Because that's what I do towards this play. What's the opposite of biting your thumb? Um, Giving a thumbs up, maybe? Like, 
Good job. Yeah. That's what I do to this, One thumb this up. play. I yeah. like it. I'd read it again. I'm kind of, I don't know how I feel about the adaptations because I think, I don't really think the story is that great anymore. <laughs> like, it, it doesn't make sense for the most part if you put it in any other context at all. Yeah. Really? You don't think like West Side Story made sense? I never really liked West Side Story. That doesn't matter. I think the reason I didn't like it is because of the casting a white woman to do a terrible uh, Puerto Rican accent. I think that was a lot of the problem for me. I wasn't asking if you liked it. You said it doesn't make sense. I think it makes sense. Uh, I don't really think it makes sense. What do you mean? It's just gangs. Gangs fight. I mean, the pretending to be dead and everything. The snapping. (laughs) Yeah. I just don't really care about the tropes at all. So I like it in the original context. I don't really care about it in anything else. I mean, the two people or from like different families or whatever who like shouldn't love each other that do, that makes sense. Like you can put that in so many different circumstances, but like spontaneously deciding you need to kill yourself. That's why teenagers shouldn't have whirlwind romances. Like Theo talked about this on one of our Patreon episodes and he was right. It's got to be married couples in their 40s. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm always right about love. Wow. Do you feel that way about all Shakespearean adaptations, Rachel? Because I feel like... Nope, not at all. Really? Nope. Okay. Really. <laughs> I feel like an argument could be made that, you know, nothing is going to be as good as the the genius of the original. I like it when they adapt Hamlet, different Richards, loving it, much ado about nothing, mm. love 10 Things I Hate About You. Great adaptation. It's mm. just Romeo and Juliet. I'm kind of sick of it. It's just too basic of a plot. What's this, the soccer movie that, oh, it's uh, She's the Man that's based on Twelfth Night? Yeah, like that too. That's good. Yeah. Steven really, did you know he had never seen She's the Man before? I've never seen it either. He'd never even heard about it. Really? Well, I played it for him. He was cracking up. He really liked it. It's got problems, of course, but it also has Channing Tatum shoving tampons up his nose. <laughs> it has problems, but it also has solutions, such as Channing Tatum shoving <laughs> yeah. tampons up his nose. Modern problems require modern solutions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Runny nose. Did I ever tell you guys that like, I was made fun of a lot by my grad school classmates because I literally cannot tell Channing Tatum and John Cena apart? No. I can't. Can't you not tell anyone apart? I think that's how we noticed that I was face blind because they sent... See, that's when you should have said, that's right, Theo. What? Because I said something to her. She should have made a joke and been like, no, Theo, I can tell people apart. You know what I mean? Why are you referring to yourself in the third person, Theo? Is Channing Tatum also a wrestler? No, John Cena. No, he's an actor. Someone sent a meme of John Cena and I said, why does Channing Tatum look so old? The rest is history. Can't tell them apart. I'm sorry. They don't look the same. They do to me. Didn't you used to call him like Tatum Channing or Channum Tating? Like you used to, or did we talk about that together? Where we like his name sounds equally good if you swap any of the four parts around in any order. <laughs> if we did talk about that, I don't remember it. <laughs> I like Channing Tatum. He's not my type at all, but I just feel like he's such a just a big goofy giant. He has himbo vibes. I don't know what he's like in real life. Channing, if you're an intellectual guy and you're listening to this episode, come on, we'll talk about whatever book you want, basically. Yeah, teach me about who you are. Well, he plays a himbo in 21 Jump Street, so I feel like he can't really be a himbo because can a himbo play a himbo? Yeah, if they're just doing what someone tells them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I bet he's very smart. So Come on the pod. Or Channing Tatum, (laughs) come on the pod. I'm not going to be able to tell which of you it is. (laughs) All right. So we're keeping this. And in a few days, we will be back with author Ada Palmer, author, scholar, whatever she wants to be known as. And I'm really excited. She's going to tell us 
everything, I guess, that someone who would have been alive at the time would notice about this play that modern audiences totally miss. Whoa. Oh, I can't wait. I bet I miss so many things. She's going to be like, you guys are dumb. Romeo and Juliet are still alive at the end. (laughs) (laughs) And every idiot in 1608 would have understood that. Right. (laughs) Or whenever this play was written. I'm sure she knows. I don't. (laughs) Can't wait. That's awesome. Awesome. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode. We we all really appreciate that you did that. Just wait one second. I need to share my screen for a second. Ew. Oh, the looks hell. like the mouth of I a worm. I didn't want to see this. Yeah, so they've just witnessed the edible anus chocolate mold. We witnessed it. It looks a little bit like this like the sand monster in Star Wars. The Sarlacc. Click on the box. Click on the box. No, he just zoomed in on the chocolate, the Sarlacc. Well, I want to see how they make the mold. They're just showing me chocolate anuses. It's a very nice black box that says edible anus. Pure milk chocolate. Pure milk chocolate. This one might just be someone else's anus. Like a random one? Well, it's not yours, right? Yeah, this just says this one just contains six anus-shaped chocolates. But I did find an article that said you could Oh my God, six of them? Whose anus is it? The same person's six anuses. (laughs) Well, everyone, what? Are you proud of yourself? <laughs> wow. It's funny because Romeo and Juliet is a very popular story. A lot of people will probably want to listen to this episode. Yes. And I tainted the whole thing. <laughs> You've tainted it? Tainted the whole thing? No, you didn't. Wrong part. Move an inch backwards. I assholed it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget to check us out on all of our social media platforms, such as Instagram at Fire the Cannon Pod, Twitter at Fire the Cannon Pod, TikTok, TikTok at Fire, at the, Fire Cannon the Cannon Pod. Jackie, give me a chance. Sheesh. <laughs> TikTok at Fire the Cannon Pod, Facebook at Fire the Cannon Podcast, email at Fire the Cannon Podcast at gmail.com, website at Fire the Cannon Podcast.com, Fire the Cannon Pod.com, or Fire the Cannon Podcast.com. If you'd like to become a patron, if you want to give us money in exchange for other things, or you just want to give us money because you enjoy the podcast and you want to support us, then check us out at patreon.com slash fire the cannon. And as always, cannon is spelled C-A-N-O-N. Nice. I found, I wanted to let you guys know before we go, I found uh, the very first illustration in my illustrated Shakespeare is of the two warring servants, and one of them is biting their thumb. So I see how they did it. Show us. Oh, really? You want to see? Yeah, girl. Put it on our Instagram. I will. Like he's sucking his thumb. Something like that. Yeah. You see? Is it the harder you bite it, the more rude you're being? Yeah. And you pull it out and you're like, look, I don't have a thumb anymore. That's how mad I am at you. (laughs) You spit your thumb onto the road and they get furious. It doesn't look very cool, honestly. It does not look super cool. Maybe you bite it and you like flick it out. Oh, yeah. Because they probably had a lot of tartar on their teeth. Well, isn't that another thing you do in Italy? Like just like. Like that's a way of flipping someone off? What? Oh, on the Under neck. your chin. Just flicking up your neck. Duh, duh. Yeah. There's a lot of evocative Italian things you can do. <laughs> Eating with any of your hands underneath the table, very evocative. Right. Yeah, these illustrations are kind of funny because these guys look so mad. All right, well, I'll put that on our Instagram. Thank you for listening, everyone. Have a great day. Bye. We love you. We love love in all of its forms. Even Why don't you one. tell us what your Valentine's plans are? Send us a message on Twitter or something. Yeah. Is that how it works? Twitter or something. Yeah, any of the yeah. places we mentioned. Cool. If Thanks. you create uh, an anus chocolate, you know what? Send we need to one. be sponsored by this edible anus company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have six. Presumably, yeah. you don't need all six of them. Yeah, you can spare <laughs> three. I don't know. There's high demand. <laughs> There's really supply chain issues. All <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.